We got a really great show for y'all. But before we hop in, I want to give a quick shout out to our sponsor, Long Beach Comedy, which takes place at Harvell's in downtown Long Beach, California, every Tuesday at 8 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. Uh, we have award-winning dancers, celebrity drop-ins. You never know who's going to be there, but I'll tell you who will be there. Me, your boy, Victor Pacheco, every single second and fourth Tuesday of the month with new material. So come and check me out. Come and check out the shows. Hope you enjoy it. Hello and welcome to Poppycock Podcast with your host, Victor Pacheco, we got a really great show for y'all today with a really special guest. Uh, we always have great guests. Uh, today's guest, uh, you have seen her on Last Comic Standing. You've seen her half hour special on NBC Peacock titled The Hanoi Honey. And now she's here for you on Poppycock Podcast. I want you to give it up real big for Miss Rosie Tran. Hey. <laughs> How are you doing today, Rosie? I'm great. How are you? I'm doing really, really great. Uh, you actually came up uh, top of the list um, as a recommendation for somebody that I should interview. And I've seen your work before and I'm just like, oh, oh my God, I got I got to interview Rosie. So this is <laughs> this is just amazing, even though we haven't officially met. Uh, it is great to meet you. You have uh, come highly recommended and I, I've seen your stuff before and I'm just like, this is awesome. This is going to work out. This is great. If you're down, if you're down. So thank you so much for joining us today on Poppycock Podcast. And so, um, yeah, there's like a lot of things to talk about. Uh, first of all, um, how are you doing today? I'm good. I'm great. I'm excited to be a guest on the podcast. Oh, awesome. Well, I'm excited to have you on on my podcast. It's 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 um usually a really super fun and enlightening experience, empowering experience. And so um, that's what I'm here for. And so uh, let's just um, start with your half an hour special that's out on Peacock. Um, where did you get the idea for the title and how did you come up with the content for it? So the Hanoi Honey is a nickname that I got from some comedians back in my open mic days when I was just starting out. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it was just a joke because um, I had some jokes about uh, being Vietnamese and um, Hanoi is a city in northern Vietnam. So it was just kind of a, a little joke that some of the comics nicknamed me. I really don't even remember how it came about, but they just started calling me that. Like, oh, the Hanoi Honey is going to be on stage or the Hanoi Honey is performing tonight on the open mic or whatever. So I just kept it. And I thought it was a really fun name for the special. Ah, I'm just so sorry. It's just um, uh, I was oh, I was called the Hispanic Titanic back in 1997. <laughs> okay. And that is my website, HispanicTitanic.com. And I have a joke about being the Hispanic Titanic. So it's funny. Like, I don't know if this was meant as a, as a term of endearment, your nickname with a Hanoi honey or if it was actually like like they were people ridiculing because like some no no like, it was meant as an enduring thing um, oh cool 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 i was yeah i was known as so i'm what's known as a comics comic yeah. <laughs> um so i sometimes can offend audiences but the back of the room is always laughing and i've evolved my stand-up to be a little bit more mainstream but um when i started out it was definitely a comics comic so it was and it was an enduring term and by comics comic, do you mean like talking to the back of the room and trying to make the comics laugh? Or what do you what do you mean by comics comic? Because like I know you're a comics comic because my friend Keith Reza speaks 
only great things about you and, and like he really is, has nothing but respect and i wanted to go to you guys double headlining but i had a gig that night and i was trying oh, no. to go to, i was trying to go to both gigs and i was like i want to watch this this is going to be a fun show at the rec room like i always have fun at the rec room even if i don't get up it's always a good time and so it's just like um I don't know with there's just like a lot of questions that I want to ask because it's like I'm a dude uh we've never met before I'm six foot two I'm 320 pounds um I consider myself to be um an ally uh not just to the LGBT community but also an ally to women and women's rights and um I'm not trying to pander or anything but I just literally want to know um what can I do as a male comedian to make stand-up comedy in the comedy community a safer place for comedians that identify as women oh so that's that's easy so a lot of times women um we get different treatment because we're females and i think a lot of women actually don't like that we like to be considered a comedian and that doesn't mean you know being one of the guys and you know talking about all your like disgusting guy stuff in front of us but just treating us like comedians so a lot of times female comics don't be like to be announced as a female comic. So that happens a lot. Like I'll go on stage and, and you know, the guy, the host will be like, and now we have a lady, you know? So um, it's just like anything else. It's just like, if you were like, Oh, and now we have an Asian person. It's like, you know, you just want to be treated pretty much just like any other comic. Mm. And um, so I think that's the main thing. And then obviously, you know, we're doing a lot of shows at bars, you know, nightclubs and things like that. So safety is a big thing. A lot of female comics, um, we get more of the stalker vibe from some of our fans than male comedians. So sometimes that's a little scary, but yeah, I think just treating everyone fairly and equally um, is really just the most important thing. Well, I mean, yeah, I try not to even use the pronoun she when um, introducing a comedian that identifies as female, because some of the biggest hate I've heard against female comics are from female comics. And I'm just like, I I don't understand that. Part. And I'm not putting the blame on women whatsoever. I'm just saying that, like, I don't know, like sometimes like even like like I, I'm Mexican. And so sometimes the biggest hater of Mexican comics are other Mexican comics. So maybe I don't know if there's a correlation, but like yeah. there's, or maybe it's just like the competition, like, uh, uh-uh. because like I with think, Mex- yeah, I think some people feel threatened and they definitely feel like you might be competition. But, you know, I if someone is cool with me, then I have positive vibes. That's great. And that's awesome. We need more of that in stand up. And um, there's too much hostility. And no matter what, I mean, everybody is competing against everybody else. But at the end of the day, um, you're competing with yourself. You're competing with who you were yesterday or who you were before the set you did. You're going to do tonight or your next big, big, big show. And so it's just you're you're in competition to make yourself greater than who you were to, to and, and I don't know about the joke writing process, but um, do you, uh, uh, because I was learning that um, you're Vietnamese. So do you speak, do you speak any other languages besides English? I do. I speak Vietnamese. I speak a little bit of French and I'm trying to learn Spanish, but I'm not that great. <laughs> oh, oh, okay. Well, no, no, no judgment. Learn. I learned English as my second language and it sucked. It was really hard. Uh, but, um, but I was, uh, my next question was, um, do you do stand up comedy in any other languages besides English? I don't, I think that's really, really hard. I did do a show one time, um, in Cudahy and it was mostly Latino comedians and some of them did Spanish, uh, 
stand up in English. And some of them were going back and forth between Spanglish and Spanish and English. And I just think that's amazing because um, things don't always translate correctly. Even though I'm yeah. pretty fluent in Vietnamese, it's kind of hard to translate because comedy is very complicated. As you know, yeah. there has to be a punchline. <laughs> there's puns. And so things don't always translate. So I definitely wish I could do stand up in another language. But at this point, it's just English. Okay, yeah, it wasn't one of those things where I'm just all like, hey, look, I could do comedy in Spanish. So can you do comedy <laughs> in a different language here, Rosie? Are we on the same level? No, it's not like that. It's more like I I didn't know I could do comedy in Spanish. I speak Spanish. I didn't know that I could do comedy in Spanish until I tried it. And it was just like one of those things where it's just like if I can encourage, you know, a, another comedian to like because we like I mean, even the first time you went on stage, you took an incredible risk. I took an incredible risk that we'd look foolish. And so, like, with that being said, it's like if you're going to do it in, in another language, even in French, Vietnamese, you're learning Spanish. I mean, I don't know. I'm, I'm just here to encourage. I'm here to encourage. And especially if you're friends with Keith, you're my friend. Tough. Because Keith is a good guy. And so, like, you know, a friend of Keith is a friend of mine. And so there's like a lot of things. Oh, I should have I should have mentioned uh, Rosie Tran, sta stand up comedian, model, actress, writer and podcast host. And so you wear a lot of hats and you're originally from uh, New Orleans, Louisiana. So what was the transition from New Orleans, Louisiana to Los Angeles? Because that must have been a culture shock. Um, actually, it wasn't that bad as a, of a culture shock. New Orleans is a pretty open-minded town. It's um, a very diverse city. So it wasn't like I was coming from a small town in the South or something. Um, but LA is definitely different. The culture is different. It's a lot faster. The vibe is a lot faster. Um, before Hurricane Katrina, uh, New Orleans was very white and black. And there was also a lot of Vietnamese people, but there wasn't a lot of Hispanic people. But after Hurricane Katrina, a lot of Hispanic people came over from Texas. A lot of Hispanics work in construction. So they yeah. came to help rebuild. So now there's actually like a really big Hispanic population. But growing up here, there wasn't. So that was a big culture shock for me um, because L.A. is like 30, 40 percent Hispanic, I think. So um, that was just a culture shock. And um, even though, you know, a lot of West Coast rap comes from uh, Los Angeles, you know, Compton, Snoop Dogg is from um, <laughs> Los Angeles and Dr. Dre and things like that. Really, Los Angeles is a very segregated city. You know, um, a lot of um, African-American and Black people live in South LA and it's just very, I would go for sometimes weeks at a time without seeing a Black person and New Orleans is the chocolate city. Like that's our nickname. So it's definitely... <laughs> Yeah, I, didn't know that. I had yeah. no idea that that is so funny. Oh, my God. Take it out of context. You're going to you're going to get canceled, Rosie. I'm going to make sure that it's all one clip. I'm just kidding. No, but, it, you know, people trying to cancel people. It's just Oh, it's a chocolate exactly. city. Yeah, she said it with a big old smile too. made the host <laughs> laugh, you know, and it's, you know, people are so sensitive. People are so sensitive. And it's just like I'm checking out your website, you know, and you have merch that says I love Asians. And that's a pretty, pretty cool shirt to have, especially this day and age. And <laughs> I, no, no, I swear to God, it really is. And, uh, and I'm plugging, I'm plugging your, I'm plugging your merch, rosytran.com. Um, I think that's your website. And so, I mean, check out Rosie Tran. And um, I had a question though, because I was living in Oakland during shelter in place in Chinatown of all places. So um, 
and I know you're Vietnamese, so I'm not making any generalizations. I was just talking about the Asian hate because like I was wondering how, how has Asian hate during the pandemic affected you, your comedy and your life in general? Um, so I haven't really been affected by the Asian hate movement. I know there's a lot of, um, so obviously I support Stop Asian Hate. I've done several fundraisers for Stop Asian Hate and donated um, money, donated my time. I, I've been part of several comedy events, uh, bringing awareness to it. And I definitely do think it's real. Obviously there's um, eight people that are being attacked because of their ethnicity and, and COVID and Wuhan. Um, but I do think that the media does exaggerate a lot of things. And so I think that's a bad thing because there's one hand they are bringing awareness and on the other hand, I think it does contribute to actually the increased violence towards Asians. Um, I personally haven't had any Asian hate and I've had a lot of love and positive energy during this time. So I think people are really, really good. And um, a lot of the media, unfortunately, the way the media works is, you know, they want clickbait, they want likes, they want, yeah. they want people watching, they want eyeballs on them. And the way that we get eyeballs is by doing a lot of negative news that's, you know, scientifically proven um, through market research, through scientific studies, in the advertising industry, they hire psychologists, and people just have their eyeballs longer on something that's sensationalized and negative versus something that's a positive story, which is really sad. So I do think it exists. I'm not denying that Asian hate isn't out there, but I do think that most people are good and that um, the instances are exaggerated. Yeah, it was just like living in Oakland when that was going on, living in Chinatown and hearing at, le at least once a week. And it was always the most messed up situation because it was always an elderly Asian person that got violently shoved from the back for no i mean they didn't they, they weren't even expecting it and it was always like some teenager or young man of color always in, in oakland and this i'm not trying to make this about race i'm just trying to say that uh a, like some people thought that asian people were to blame because of the pandemic and like you know who i don't think that i think I mean, we could go into who, who who's responsible but i don't think it was asian people i think that the um a lot of people suffered a lot of racism due to that. And yeah, so I was just wondering if, if that ever affected you at all. And I'm glad it did it. That actually makes me feel good because I was I was living in Chinatown in Oakland and I was just witnessing this every day. And it was just like I couldn't and not just on the news, like walking down the street, like I'm like looking out. For, for my elderly Asian neighbors, because like, you know, I didn't want none of that stuff to happen. I'm very anti-bullying. I don't believe in, you know, this mob mentality where people just come together and just like, like physically assault people. That's horrible. It's just like really like just a bad thing. And so I, I don't know, with like stand-up comedy, you, there's a lot of writing, but you're actually a published author. And so I was wondering, um, your book, 52 Weeks to Meditation, A Self-Guided Journey. Uh, where did you come up with that idea? Oh, so that's like not related to my comedy at all. It was just something that was inside of me that I needed to publish. I self-published it um, and it's been on Amazon and other um, websites available and also Audible if you want to listen to um, an audio version. And it's just something, you know, it's a hobby of mine and I just wanted to share that with the world and share is a positive way for people to deal with um mental health is to meditate and kind of look for a greater power that's awesome that you mentioned mental health because like there there's a huge problem in the entertainment business with mental health 
and a lot of us putting our careers over mental health. So I was wondering, without taking out any spoilers of your book, if there's anything that you could recommend to any entertainers who are currently going through some type of mental distress to help their situation or maybe something that has helped you? Yeah, Um, I think it's just really important to disconnect. I think a lot of people feel like they need to be on social media 24 seven. A lot of influencers are getting influencer burnout because they're constantly putting out new content to make the algorithm go up or whatever. And um, the most important thing to understand is that your career obviously is very important, but it's a fantasy world. The internet is a fantasy world. It's not real. It's not real life. What's important is what's right here in front of you in your life. So I think it's important for people to take a step back and realize, hey, what's important? You know, my parents, my brothers and sisters, my family, my friends, people that are right here in real life and not the approval of strangers and likes and stuff online, because those people, you know, someone might attack you online and it has nothing to do with you. They're just having a bad day or they're projecting or they're having a bad day at work and they just want to bully someone online. And so it's really important not to take internet things seriously, because I know people that have committed suicide because of internet bullying and people that have been affected personally. And so you have to remember that these people, um, not that they're not real, they're real people, but that they're not, they don't know you. They don't know you in real life. They're not your friend. They're, they're a stranger on the internet or maybe a colleague on the internet. And so it's important to disconnect from that. And I think that helps a lot of mental health to take a, to break from away from it, social media. That is really, really awesome advice. And I'm really sorry about your friend and, unfortunately i i know more than three people that that's been how their lives have ended because of either harsh criticisms or the trolls that are commenting on videos so it's just you know they're just like you said they're just they're just people that are negative they're trying to bring you down to their level they don't even mean anything yeah like you said that they might just be having a bad day they might be having a bad day at work they might maybe they're a failed comedian and they're jealous of you maybe they have mental health issues like you don't know who this person is so i've had to block a few people i've had people attack me you know if you look at some of my youtube videos i have all sorts of comments you know i have one guy i have a joke about being married on one of my clips and there's a comment that says well who would marry her she's hideous you know, or look at how disgusting she is or look at, you know, oh I have a, <laughs> okay, okay. So you have blind trolls. Okay, good. Um, <laughs> Jesus Christ. Okay. That, okay. So people will just say anything. And like I said, you don't know if maybe the guy that was saying that had an Asian girlfriend and was rejected by her, or, you know, there's so many different factors. And so you can't um, count on that person's mental health. You don't know them personally. And so it's really important to take a step away from social media and be like, okay, I don't actually know this person in real life. So they don't know anything about me. Yeah. And that's so solid because like, you know, as comedians, like I posted a couple of videos recently of performances and it's just like, I'm still getting likes about it from like a week or two weeks ago or whatever. And it's just like, kind of controversial talking about the new black little mermaid type of stuff and people have my back about it but it's just like i i i looked at some of the comments and it's just like people are just and then i revealed that i'm an educator and someone's like someone needs to take his license away immediately and i'm like do you think i talk like this while i'm at work teaching kids like seriously and like i literally had to call out that person even though the smart thing would have been ignore them delete the comment don't worry about it but at the same time it's just i wanted to let them know like hey this is 
not how I act at school. This is a comedy show. And if you believe everything you're, you see online, then, you know, you need to get you need to get a reality check. I didn't curse them out, but I did just give them, you know, some some food for thought. So maybe that they could better the situation in the future. But but then again, it, maybe it's just better to not feed the trolls. It's better to just leave them alone so they could get on with their with their with their day and you know if they if they have that negative type of energy to just keep it to themselves or at the very least not let it affect you yeah a lot of people feel like they have so there's something called skin in the game right so if you have skin in the game you have something to lose a lot of people feel that on the internet they have no skin in the game so they can just say whatever they want um with that shield of the computer screen protecting them or their phone screen protecting them and so um, because there's no accountability, a lot of people have alternate personalities online. They're willing to just say whatever. Someone who might not say something rude to your face will definitely say it online. So it's just important to know that that filter is gone and that those these people are acting from sometimes the lowest common denominator vibe, you know? Yeah. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, that's it's so much perspective because it's just like you think about like, why are people starting smack with me online? I didn't even do anything. And then like, like, what did you do? I mean, you put out a clip so you could get more followers. You get more people a lot. You know what? You're doing the, what you're supposed to do as a stand up <laughs> comic. Everything and some because like not only did not only did you work your ass off to come up with this material, you recorded it and then you 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 edit it so it fits perfectly it's, you know so it's under a minute so if it's a reel or if it's over you know <laughs> you, or sometimes you add the 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 captions you know or the subtitles i should say then the hashtags and all that stuff you do all this stuff and then someone just wants to talk smack because they never took a risk in their life they never left their hometown they did you know they envy you but they don't know the word envy they're just jealous they're jealous or like you said, a failed comic. You know, I've, I never I keep forgetting that because in my mind, it's like we're in the mafia. Once once you're in, you're in for life. You're in for life. That's it. Sorry. You know, I might you know, I'm not, I didn't quit comedy or anything, but it's just like if I quit comedy right now, I'm still in. Obviously, I'm not. It's like you're you're only as good as your last set. And if you haven't performed in months, guess what, buddy? You're not even a hobbyist because because I mean, I'm sorry, you're a hobbyist. You're not even an open micer. Because open micers go to open mics. So it's just like you know, it's just I've had to, I've had to have this conversation with people like you're not an open micer because you're actually denigrated open micers because open micers are actively going to open mics. So don't talk. <laughs> Don't talk smack about open micers, okay? We were all open micers, okay? Even Chris Rock. So when he was little Kev. And so <laughs> I swear to God, that was his name. It was little Kev. It was little Kev. I'm like, who the hell is little Kev? I'm watching the the, the roast of Patrice O'Neal. And they're like, little Kev. Little Kev is in here. And I'm like, who the hell is little Kev? Who the, like everyone's like, little Kev couldn't be here. He's headlining the weekend or blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, little Kev. I'm like, who is that? Is that, his, is that Patrice's younger brother? Like it's little, not hard. It's Chris Rock. <laughs> yeah, it's it's well, oh, oh uh, yeah. Oh, sorry, my bad. <laughs> it's Chris. The thing, little Kev would be Kevin Hart. <laughs> Kevin Hart. Uh, oh wait, who was it? Kevin? Little Kev. It was little Kev. I'm sorry, that came out all wrong. Sorry, my bad. No, no, it was little Kev, not little Chris. It was little Kev. I'm sorry. Thank you for catching that. Otherwise, I would have been in post and been like, I meant little Kev. <laughs> I meant little Kev. So thank you for 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 um um. <clears throat> correcting that because like honestly i'm like oh my god so little kev is kevin hart little kev is kevin hart who okay, was not I was like why is 
said Chris Rock. No, 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 no. I'm oh, sorry, my bad. No, but because there was a there was a roast of Patrice O'Neill. That's like it got cut because like the there's a Bill Burr portion of it, and some of it's cut. So only God only knows what he said. Maybe he said something incredibly racist. But for for it to have gotten cut, and there is no version of it available anywhere. And I've looked. Um, it is not available, but like everyone keeps talking about little Kev before, before he became known as Kevin Hart. And so like, I, I don't know, people use aliases and then like, I like this one dude, I, because I, I was in the Bay, this guy, he, um, I guess his dad owns the, the Clippers. And so he went by an alias, but then he started using his real last name and everyone's like, Oh, you're the son of a billionaire. Oh, okay. <laughs> Oh, okay, okay. We get the alias stuff now, so I don't know. Part of me is like, yeah, I wish I had an alias, but part of me, I mean, because I've gotten fired from jobs because I've I've done the stupid thing, or like you know, I I, I have a good time in class. I make it all my kids laugh, and I you know I ignorantly answer their questions correctly when they're like, hey, what's your first name? I'm like Victor, <laughs> instead of Mister. My first name is Mister. <laughs> It's always going to be Mr. So it's just like I screw up. And so these kids will be like, oh, my God, I found your Instagram. I'm like, no, no, don't tell anybody. And then they show everybody, including the administrators. And then they're like, they're like, you got to decide what's more important, your substitute teaching job or your or, or your stand up comedy. And I'm like, well, if it's like that, I mean. You're oh, okay. My bad. Oh, yeah, I'm going to keep this job that I hate where the kids question my sexuality because I make them read. That's right. That's right. Yeah, I'm going to I would prefer this job. Yeah. Okay, whatever. No, no. But anyway, no, that's not the point. My, my um. So so yeah, you, Um. I had, I had a couple of questions or two because like I was checking out the website and you have a lot of great pictures like headshots wise, of course, but you also have um, a, a pictures of you with, 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 with like a lot of well-known celebrities like Jim Norton, Jay Leno, Nick Swartzen, Bill Murray. Or, I'm sorry, Bill Maher, uh, Kathy Griffin, Jonah Hill, Margaret Cho, Joan Rivers. And I was wondering, do you have any uh, cool or funny celebrity stories that you'd like to share? I don't, but I can tell you about each picture if you're interested. Yeah, I'm definitely down. Like, <laughs> because like I saw that with Joan Rivers and I'm like, <sighs> That's so awesome. And I saw the one with Margaret Cho and I'm like, that one's so awesome. And that was like Jonah Hill before he lost some of the weight and started becoming like a diva. And so I was just like, you know, like wondering, like, like, was he diva with you? Probably not with you. But I mean, you probably weren't paparazzi. I mean, with just one picture, at least if you were paparazzi, you know, so maybe he didn't cop an attitude, you know, maybe if it would have been me, I've been like, nah, dude, sorry, no pictures, no pictures. But um, so yeah. Joan Rivers, I met actually. I went to go see her in San Luis Obispo, and my friend Brad was opening for her. So we got to go backstage and meet her. And I'm really, really excited that I got that picture because she passed away. And she actually, I was really excited that I got to see her too because she um, helped me take my stand up to another level just watching her live. Um, I don't recall how old she was when she passed. I believe she was in her eighties when I saw her, I think maybe she was in her seventies. I'm she's oh old. She was old. Yeah. And, um, she took the joke to the next level. So a normal community. So at the time I was just performing stand up, but Joan would perform stand up, do an act out, 
do a callback and she would stretch the joke as far as it could go. So it wasn't just a joke. So she would take like five minutes of material, make it like 15 minutes of material. And she was in like five inch stiletto heels on stage, full makeup, <laughs> running around on stage. <laughs> and she wasn't sweat. Like I saw her backstage. She like, didn't have like a, a thing of sweat. Like I'm on stage for 10 minutes and I'm like sweating. Right. <laughs> she had like full makeup on was perfect. Had like a feather boa on, you know, so she just really, um, encouraged me to take my game to the next level, my stand-up game, because before I wasn't milking the jokes as much as they could be milked. And I also was scared of act out. So after watching her, I really took me stand up to the next level. And I'm really glad I got to see her before she passed away. Were you scared of doing act outs because you were afraid that people were going to judge you and or look foolish? Or why did you why were you scared of the act outs? If you don't mind me asking, or is that um, a little personal? Because it <laughs> wasn't it wasn't my thing at the time. I just felt I was very snobby when I first started doing stand up. I was kind of a stand up. I was. I was kind of a sorry. I was. I didn't I didn't want to sell any merch. Okay. I didn't okay. um, really <laughs> want to do act outs I was I was very um yeah I was really in my head and I just wanted to tell jokes and I just wanted people to think I was funny and I didn't really sell my material as as well as I do it now I didn't I didn't do any act outs I really didn't do any faces I just wanted people to to like my material because it was funny and I was I was very snobby about it and so just I've evolved over the years and I've seen that you have to sell your jokes. You have to sell your jokes more. You can't just stand there, you know, unless you're a very dry comic and that's your thing. Right. Um, which I'm not insulting people that do that. That's also its own thing is being very dry or being very sarcastic, but that wasn't my thing. I just, I was very snobby. I was very close-minded about stand up. I just wanted to write material and have people like it. And after seeing Joan and seeing how she did her act outs and her callbacks, and it just really changed my mind on things. Jesus. Okay. Wow. Okay. That was, yeah, that's, that's what else did you learn from Joan? Because like, no, no, I'm just kidding. I mean, that's already so much. I'm just like, I'm learning from Joan and I wasn't even there. I wasn't even there. And it's just like, it's so refreshing. And to, to hear somebody talk to hear a comedian talk about another comedian and just, just the, the passion, the intensity. And it's just, to be so compassionate about stand up, it really it makes me feel good because sometimes it's like, oh God, I gotta go do stand up. I'm like, well then stay home. Stay home. You know, because there's a lot of us that, that want to do stand up and it's just like you're you're taking it for granted. I don't know. But at any rate, it's just like any that the whole act outs, the whole being like, you know, taking these chances on stage and developing the joke and taking it to the next level. I mean, it's just like for a lot of people, it's just like, oh, let me talk a little bit about each topic. Let me just talk about as many topics as possible, and maybe I'll connect with the audience as opposed to, no, 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 no. This is the one topic that I'm going to be the expert about and talk about it and then just hammer it in and, like, get the audience to have your back and just like what you're joking about. And so I really like to hear that. And um I guess, yeah, let's talk about the other pictures, because if <laughs> if that was just one, then let's just go to the next one. And I'll do yeah, respect. She, I'll she, do was respect. Just, she was just really great. She was just a really great person and really supportive and just like a really great comic. Um, Jonah Hill, I just met him backstage at The Tonight Show, I was there um, supporting a friend who was doing stand up. And I met him in the back. He was the guest. So nothing really interesting there. But 
Still I wish cool. he wasn't holding. I wish he wasn't holding that package in the picture because people are always like, "Were you guys at the post office?" <laughs> <laughs> no, we're just backstage at the Tonight Show. Who knows no, what was in that bag? <laughs> you know, right? You know, nothing incriminating for sure. Um, but um, who knows? I mean, like, you know, it could have been clothes for the next day or a beer for a roll. <laughs> who knows? You know, I don't know. It's Hollywood. It's Hollywood. So it's just, you know, it, it could it could have been anything. And OK, so what about Jay Leno? Did you get a chance to talk to Jay Leno? I just saw him briefly. He's kind of separated from the guests. So um, but I, I wish that was one of my my dreams was to be on Tonight Show. So I'm really sad that the show's over and that he he's retired mine was to be on letterman and so i also have had my dreams squandered like that i also, <laughs> I also wanted to be on carson too okay and like <laughs> he died way before i did stand up so i i yeah i screwed that one up um but like I, no no i know what you're saying though that's like it's just uh it's just um it's too bad it didn't work out but what about last comic standing how was that experience um, last comic standing was really fun. It was really stressful. Um, so I was featured as a Los Angeles finalist and I had a really great set and they really, really liked me. Um, Esther Koo, who is also Asian and a friend of mine, actually a colleague of mine. Um, nice. she had a deal with NBC and they didn't feel comfortable featuring two Asian women in one season. So I got cut. So oh um, that was kind of sad. Yeah. Are you kidding me? Um, no. <laughs> no. What, what? What? Sorry. I'm sorry. I'm just like, I'm trying not to get flustered on my own podcast here. Um, what? Okay. Nothing against Esther. I don't know her personally. But what the fuck, NBC? Like, seriously. Like, I mean, they didn't want Ralphie Mae to win first place because they could not have a morbidly obese American be the winner of season one of Last Comic Standing. I believed when he said that. I believe you telling me we can't have two Asian women on the show. What happens if they talk about the same Asian food? I heard, food it, I heard it from like, a producer um, behind the scenes, so I, I definitely believe that that's what happened. But I, it was yeah, it was a really great experience. Though I wish I would have gone further. I mean, it's not the same thing, but it's just like that's why there's only ever maximum one fat guy per show. <laughs> it's the same thing because like, you know, fat guys are like elephants are like we're like hippos. We're like hippos. We're super territorial and a stage time are like our pawns and our and, and like we're super territorial. It's like, hey, you're not going to do all the fat guy jokes, are you? And I'm like, I don't know. Do you talk about making love to your wife like an elephant and then make elephant sounds? Because if you do, then you're stepping on my material and you're fat and I don't want your fat feet on my fat feet. So stop. So it's just like they. I mean, nobody has that joke. That's my joke. That's an exclusive like, like, I don't I don't talk the whole time about being fat, like how I met. I mean, just any com, even like Mexican comics, like, hey, yeah, being Mexican, being Mexican for like 45 minutes. In some cases, I'm like, shut up. Talk about anything else, please. <laughs> anything else. Like no one wants to hear about me being fat the whole time. No one wants to hear about me being Mexican the whole time or being married the whole time. If you could like, you know, sprinkle here and there or whatever, then that's cool. Maybe if it's a 15 minute set, that's one thing. But if it's like a headliner set. And so um, that was another question that I had with um, 
transitioning from like featuring to headlining. Did you um, do you have any advice for that uh, transition between be- being a feature and becoming a headliner? Yeah, so I definitely wouldn't do it if you're ready. A lot of people are like, well, I have an hour or I have 45 minutes. I can headline. And I felt like that, you know, we all feel like that when we're like, okay, well, we have the time, but having the time and being a headliner are two different things. And I still don't even feel like I'm a headliner. I'm a headliner sometimes, but you know, if they're, you know, if Anthony Jeselnik is headlining, I can't follow him for sure. So if you're um, calling yourself a headliner, you should feel confident to do the time. And sometimes I do feel insecure that. I'm not strong enough because you really do have to be really, really strong to be a headliner. You should be able to close the show. And I tell people like, just stop rushing it. Like just be a feature, be a strong feature. Yeah. You'll know, you'll know when you're ready because the headliner will be like, fuck, I can't follow you. And then that's when you're a headliner. But, oh yeah. <laughs> that's, a, that's, that's, that's solid advice. And also though, too, I'm in no rush personally. It's just more of those, but I know a ton of people who are in a rush they want to skip steps. They want instant results. And I'm just like, wrong business, wrong business, wrong business. I mean, like, even if you were to would do whatever you have to do to get the opportunity to showcase, to do what you're going to make a fool just of yourself. If you have that hour or that half an hour, hold it in your pocket for, for if something happens, because people skip steps all the time in this industry. Somebody will get a huge agent and all of a sudden they have a Netflix special and all of a sudden they're headlining. But that's like growing pains. Like I know people that have gotten big agents and gotten a pretty big headliner status before they're ready. And they really, really struggled. They really, really struggled to do that hour. They really, really struggled to follow a really strong feature. So, you know, it's just have the time, you know, I'm not saying don't have the time, work on the time, work on your hour, work on your half hour, but just don't be in such a rush, especially if you're in Southern California, especially if you're in a place where there's literal celebrities, there's literal people that have been doing it 20, 30 years. Like, just just calm down. <laughs> oh my goodness. I, that that is such solid advice. I serious I did a show with uh with my mentor and, and at the time I was doing comedy for like 8 years and he's been doing it for 28 years. He has like a ton of TV credits. I get off stage, right? And I feel great. I was like, I killed it. I killed it. That was so great. Oh yeah, I, I, and I'm never confident about how great I did. And I'm just like, I did so good. Oh man, I can, you know, I'm going to go home happy. I'm not going to wake up sad tomorrow. And then the headliner goes on stage. who has been doing it for 28 years. And within three minutes, he just like, boop. no one cares about Victor Pacheco anymore. <laughs> it is now my friend's headlining gig. He's three minutes in and he's already, he already did in those three minutes what I did in the last 25 and like and like he's getting like a huge round of applause and all this stuff. And I'm just like, oh, I suck. I'm horrible. I'm the worst comic ever. And then like I, I called him. I didn't call him out about it, but I told him I was like, hey, um, I felt really shitty the other night, man, because like I felt good about my set and you went up there and because I thought I killed it and you murdered it. And he's like, bro, how long have you been doing comedy? And at the time, I'm like eight years, eight years. He's like, bro. 28 years. I should be 28. I should be 20 years better than you, bro. 20 years, 20 years, bro. That's why I should be funnier than you. Okay. So you did pretty good for eight year, nine year, whatever, you know, but like, I am almost at 30 years, man. And I'm just like, who is your mentor? You don't want to say, 
Oh, uh, Dennis Gaxiola. And so, okay. like, yeah. And he's like um, a good guy. I met him like in the, you know, sometimes you're in the green room and like you get giddy and you overshare. Um, or maybe not you because um, you, you probably have more sense than me, but I, I overshare sometimes and I overshared with him and it actually like we, we got a connection and it's just like, oh, wow, we share the same type of misery or family misery, whatever. But at any rate, he was like a really funny guy and uh, he helped mentor me and like walk me through certain things. And he's given me a lot of career advice and he's been really, really See, good. That is me. something that I envy. That is something that I envy as a female comedian, because anytime a comedian wanted to mentor me when I was a young comedian, it was because they were trying to get in my pants. And that was the most uncool thing ever. And I think that is something that female comedians have a disadvantage of. So I'm very jealous that you have that because now that I've been established and I've been in the business for a long time and I don't need a mentor anymore. But when I was starting out, there was a lot of male comedians, people that I really looked up to too, that I lost a lot of respect for that. I really just wanted them to help me with my comedy and that happened. (laughs) Oh so my that's God. something that I really, really, really am jealous of male comedians having a mentor or someone that can can guide them. I am so sorry that like that's I'm 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 actually disgusted right now. I wasn't even there. I just met you tonight and I'm disgusted. <laughs> no, I'm serious. I'm fucking disgusted because it's just like, oh, my God, there's a there's a new female comic. And then there's like a herd of know-it-all comedians that just like they're just like a bunch of vultures that smell the new blood and they're just like hey i can help you with comedy and i just want to just like just be like hey don't get any help from any of those people you're going to suck like you're going to be bad at comedy don't do it don't do it well the worst was one i'm not going to say who it is because i don't want to defame him but one guy who was my idol like my idol i really looked up to him he's a very famous comedian and I approached him at the comedy store. I told him I was a big fan and that I was a comedian. And I really wanted him to mentor me. And he invited me out a couple of times and I could tell immediately that he just wanted to sleep with me. And so that was just so heartbreaking. It was so heartbreaking because I really looked up to this guy. Oh my God. And I, and I have to see him. I can see him all the time now, you know, 20 years later because oh I'm still God. around. No, no. And he's so, very and, famous. So I, I see him at shows all the time. I, and yeah, it's very oh awkward. God. It's so awkward. You know what sucks? I bet you I could name him in three guesses. And um, <laughs> yeah. No, guessing, please. no I'm not. No, 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 no. I told you. I told you what type of podcast this is. I, I will guess one after I, I stop okay. pressing record. <laughs> but no, no, no. But my point being is just, but what's fucked up is this. And like, I don't know how many times I got to mention it. I'm 320 pounds. I'm six foot two. I'm disabled. And I am one of the safe comics to walk women to their car. (laughs) How creepy are fucking comics where the fat guy is the safe guy? Like, how creepy are comics? And it's just like, and like right now it bothers me because I'm glad you don't need a mentor. But I mean, it's always good to have like, you know, friends. But it's fucked up that like, these comedians try to use their influence, their, their fame, their celebrity to just be, to take advantage of, of a young, vulnerable comedian that just was looking for help. And imagine like if they would have just helped you not had any ul- ul- ulterior motives and actually helped you like, and it's just like, and it's so messed up because it's like, uh, I hate 
that about this business. It's, it's, it's deplorable. And that was actually one of my questions. And I swear to God, what is something that happens to female comedians that you wish every male comedian would know about? Well, holy fuck, that's it. Yeah, that's I mean, what it is. Because, well, also because I know a lot of comedians that had mentorships with, with older comedians or famous comedians, and it really helped their career. So every female comedian is basically missing out on that opportunity because of the sexual aspect. So I, I know a lot of people that have had people, really big celebrity comedians take them on the road and that launches their career, you know? Yeah, but absolutely. You but can't, you can't do that as a woman. Well, yeah. It, I think you can more so now than ever, and but it's still very rare. And if that's deplorable, it's deplorable like that, that really, oh, God, it's just like, you know, when you love something so much, you could hate it. That's comedy. That's comedy. <laughs> I love comedy so much. I could hate it. Like, for real. It's just like this is bullshit. Like, you know, like this, like this is this is horrible. So it's just like and I don't mean to put you on the spot, but. What the fuck can we do? What, what can we do to stop this? Because like or, or like put a curb to it. I mean, is it just exposing these people? Because at the same time, you can't expose this person, because if you do, then that's going to be like really that could have detrimental uh, negative effects on, on your career. And, and, and it's yeah. just like just that alone, just talking about it right now. It's like, holy shit. Why are they talking about it? It's an issue that's prevalent, that's still going on in. in in our art, in our business. And, and it's just fucked up because like, I'll go out of my way. And like, I, I I've told my wife about this. I don't care if you're a guy or a girl, if I just saw you on stage and you killed it, I got a crush on you. And I'm a straight dude. I'm a straight dude. I've had crushes on dudes. And I'm just like, wow, I wish I could be that funny. Or I see a lady on stage and I'm like, wow, I wish I could be that funny. Ah! It's a little poopoo. She's whining. She wants to sit on my lap. Oh, no, it's OK. For the for those of you just listening to audio, Rosie just pulled out a cute little puppy dog with a good wolf wolf. And so just, uh, you know, that's why we're like, oh, but no, not not after this creepy conversation. We're like, oh, you know, the people, the people listening with the audio, they're like, why are they on after such a just a horrible, you know, topic that they're discussing. And so, yeah, there's like, you know, I don't so think there's unfortunately, I don't think there's anything that can be done about it. You know, it's it's men and women and there's always going to be people. But I think what was so hard about it was just that it was someone that I really looked up to and I really had a lot of respect for. And so that's something that was really sad for me. And I guess the sad part is that a male comedian might not have that experience. So, you know, there's certain comedians that mm. I know of that female comedians are like, oh, that guy's a scumbag. And yeah. male comedians have a completely different experience of this person. They'll be like, oh, he's cool. He's a cool dude. And so it's just, it's not fair that one type of person should see such a different face on someone, you know? Well, I mean, what's fucked up though, too, is just like, I, it's not the same thing, but it's just like it's kind of like, you know, there's the best show and then there's, there's the best friend show where, you know, the, the comics, they get they just book their best friends who suck, who haven't written a joke in 12 <laughs> years. You know what I mean? We, yeah, I know. I just like, you know, we both know there's so many people that this like falls under that. Like, it's, it's just so many different people. But like. I don't know. It's just like people get too comfortable. People don't write new jokes like do you are you just like self-motivated to write new jokes and new stories because like you want your fans to have to, to hear new stuff or is it just you get bored with your stuff or what's your motivation in writing new jokes 
So I actually had a multi-year um, joke constipation <laughs> where I wasn't able to write new material for, I wasn't able to write new material for a really long time. And one of my friends, who's a very funny comedian, um, actually you mentioned Ralphie May, she's Ralphie May's uh, widow, um, Lana Turner. She said, Rosie, once you get this special out, you're going to have all this new material come out of you. And I was kind of like, didn't believe her. I was like, okay, I've been constipated joke wise for like the past, like five years or 10 years or whatever. Like, I don't think all this new material is going to come out all of a sudden, but she was right. As soon as I recorded my last special, it was like, I cleared up the cobwebs. I cleared out the bandwidth in my head and all this new material has come out. And I, I, I'm actually headlining um, this weekend. You know, I don't know when your podcast comes out. It probably will be too late, but I'm headlining this weekend in, at Comedy House NOLA in New Orleans, and I'm going to be doing like 80% new material. And I'm really, really nervous because it's like so much new material, but I'm really excited too. And just all this new material came out of nowhere. Um, I don't know if I would call it self-motivation, but it came out of nowhere after I got my other special out to the world. Well, I mean, the fact that you're nervous shows that you care. The fact that you care shows that you're more likely to be successful than not successful. And regardless of when this podcast comes out, uh, which will be a week from this coming Tuesday. So, yes, you're right. It will be too late. Um, but I do want people to support you and come and watch you because you're, you're, you're funny as fuck online. Um, you're one of my best friends, best friends. I really like had an amazing time talking to you and I'm Mexican. I have to say goodbye now. Otherwise, like I'll keep you on the horn for like three more hours. And you'll be like, why the, why the hell was I talking to that guy? For I don't even know that guy, but anyway, so, uh, so um, what's it called? We, we wish you safe travels um, to uh, was it, is that new Orleans? We wish yeah. you safe, safe travels. We wish you that that everything goes good with a show and that you have fun. And um, that's 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 awesome. We're rooting for you here at Poppycock Podcast. And we want to make sure if there's uh, for my final question, uh, where the, where can the people at home find you to follow you and go to your shows? Yeah. So my Instagram is out of the box, Rosie. And my Twitter and Facebook are at funny Rosie. And the reason my Instagram is out of the box Rosie is because I have a podcast called out of the box podcast and I interview all sorts of out of the box thinkers. I've had, um, you know, it's not a comedy podcast. It's a different side of me. I actually started my podcast because I was depressed with stand up comedy because my career was really stagnant. So I started my podcast and I only wanted to interview people that I thought were interesting and out of the box. So I have like a Nobel peace prize nominee, you know, talking about sex trafficking. And I have Holy shit. Um, like business people and I have all sorts of interesting people, um, entrepreneurs and people talking about, you know, living in tiny houses and people talking about living in like communes in Spain. So it's, it's really different from my standup. It's not a comedy podcast. So people listen to it and like, this isn't funny. <laughs> it's, it's not, gonna ah! be funny. <laughs> but it's very, very interesting. Well, I mean, it's just so funny because like right now it made me reminisce to like what a very wise comedian told me when I started out. And that was talk to people you normally wouldn't talk to. Put yourself as a, put yourself in environments that you normally wouldn't put yourself into. Get to talk to people 
the, and get familiarized with these type of settings so that you can become more cultured. You be, can become more aware of other people's point of views and experiences. So in the end, you'll be a better comic. And I'm like, wait a minute, hold up a second. I thought this was to be more cultured. No, be a better comic. And so it's just like, so I didn't mean to laugh when you said it was just like, you know, it's just like I, I was this has nothing to do with comedy. And it was just like, well, I mean, podcasts aren't always supposed to be funny. You know, they're supposed to be educational. They're supposed to be whatever you want them to be. And like, for me, like, I'm really happy that I had you on today because like, I'm happy that we got to talk about the, the bullshit that women are subjected to in this male dominated industry. And it's, you know, really, you know, it's, it's, it's deplorable. And like, I swear to God, if I ever have power like that, I would never, ever do that. Like, that's horrible. Like, I mean, I believe in meritocracy and we all know <laughs> it doesn't matter how good you are. It matters how good you are to the person putting the show together. So uh, not in all cases. No, I mean, talent does, you know, come to roost. I mean, people notice that. Don't get me wrong. But I'm just saying there's... You're, <laughs> There's certain venues you go to, you're like, how does this person keep getting booked with the same material every single time? Exactly the same way. Zero laughs. And I'm just like, OK, whatever. This isn't about them. This is about you. OK, but yeah, so um, I'll be sure to tag all those links when the episode comes out and I'll tag you and everything. And so I want to thank you so much, Rosie, for everything that um, you've shared with us today. Thank you for sharing your beautiful puppy. What's your dog's name? Trixie. Trixie. Well, yeah. I just wanted to know, Trixie. Me, 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 me. You go little poopo, poopo. Me, 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 Oh, me, oh me. I scared her. <laughs> oh, <laughs> my God. <laughs> I just scared Rosie's dog. For Rosie's final appearance on Poppycock Podcast, we want to thank her. Because we scared, we scared your dog. I scared your dog. But thank you so much for, for coming through. And please... Follow her online, uh, follow her Instagram, follow her podcast. Go check her out uh, in person in New Orleans, in L.A., wherever you see her. Uh, go check her out. Thank you so much, Rosie, for doing the show. And thank you all for listening to Poppycock Podcast. Thanks for listening. Subscribe on YouTube, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Also, do your boy a favor. Tell your friends, tell your cool family members, tell your cool co-workers, let them know about the podcast and leave a review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and be sure to follow me on all social media, Puro Papi Pacheco, and check out my website at HispanicTitanic.com for future dates. Thank you very much for listening, and we'll see you on the next one. Have a great day.